0: Hello my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. The podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbits and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Augusta Owens joins the podcast this week. Augusta is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and also coaches Jiu-Jitsu. He's also a retired combat vet. And in this conversation, we speak about traumatic brain injuries, we speak about mental health, we speak about serving in the military, and we talk about looking inside and getting introspective with why we do the things we do. In other news, this podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes and use the code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 161 of Something for Everybody with Augusta Owens. Hello, my friend, and welcome to something for everybody. My name is Aaron Mashwitz. Augusta, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: I'm pumped to have this conversation with you. You're like the Nancy, Eric, Professor Anthony. You're like the fourth person from Royal Art uh, <laughs> to join me on this podcast. So that's awesome.
1: It's good company. Mm.
0: Professor Ricardo told me no, very adamantly.
1: That that makes sense. So
0: I backed off <laughs> <laughs> that
1: makes sense for yeah he and I are private similar but different so yeah that makes sense
0: but uh but I'm pumped I just I want to basically learn as much as I can about you sure I know a little bit but I'm excited to hear more and we'll get into your hopefully most of your story and your background and, and how you are this person that stands before me today Oof, okay. before we before we get into all of that I have a very important question yes how are you doing like really how are you doing
1: I'm doing good I am doing really well like, obviously, we have good days and bad days, but my bad days are significantly better than they used to be. So I'm doing well.
0: Are you surprised to hear yourself say that?
1: No. The amount of work that's gone into getting to the doing well part, I'm not surprised at all. No. If we had this conversation, and we'll get into that, had this conversation a couple years ago, it definitely would have been a different answer.
0: Yes, I, I assumed that, that because uh, from what I know, you, you were living here yes then you moved to florida yes And sort of florida was this sort of um revitalization it was like that you needed yeah
1: i'm a christian but i equate it to like if like a muslim goes to mecca that experience so i guess for me it would be like going to jerusalem it was like going to jerusalem except for i didn't know that's where i was going i just thought i was running away from my problems but i actually ran into my problems when i went there
0: Hmm. what were the problems that you thought you were running away from
1: um Making bad decisions and trying to avoid the consequences of bad decisions. So I thought, like, I would just get this new area, I'd get this new environment, and by being in a new environment, that will automatically make everything that was trouble with me in Texas just disappear. But it kind of amplified it because now I don't have any distractions.
0: So you're forced, to, you're forced to sit with that dragon a little bit?
1: I'm forced to be face-to-face with my biggest enemy, me. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. So I know you're in the military.
1: Yes. 10 years total. Let's start there. Um, joined in 2000. Um, I got out in 2006. And then I went back in after college in 2010.
0: So what was the uh, reason for joining in 2000?
1: Um, that would probably take some more backtracking. But I was trying to run away from my family environment.
0: Would you, want to, would you like to go there? Sure. That's fine. All right. Let's sure. do that. Sure. So where did you grow up?
1: A mixture of California and Oklahoma. Okay. So California up until around the age of 15-ish, and then we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where I went to high school.
0: And then right after high school, then you went into the military?
1: Yeah, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, yeah.
0: Because what was happening?
1: Um, my childhood was pretty horrible, so I just wanted to get away from the people who I thought were the problem, but they really weren't the problem. They just didn't have the tools to be what i needed them to be specifically talking about my mom mm. so it was just trying to run away like again me running away from a problem and the problem was me
0: it seems like a recurring theme yes <laughs> and it's going to be a recurring thing yes that you've uh that you have sort of have a, a handle on now
1: 100 percent. and it took a lot of humility and introspection but that's we, we'll get to that eventually when i got to florida that's what florida was for
0: yeah um do you have any, you have any brothers brothers and sisters
1: i have an older brother yes
0: and your mom was a single mom.
1: And my mom's a single mom. Um, the dad, pretty much, is a sperm donor. wasn't in the picture. Um, my mom had us. She had my brother when she was sixteen, and she had me at seventeen. So she was a baby having babies. So that was part of the problem. She didn't know how to raise children, and she didn't raise children. We basically raised ourselves. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, I. When I think about those types of situations, because I'm, uh, you know, I can't relate to that situation. Yeah. Either, and I'm. Like I'm one of the I say it all the time on this podcast, I'm one of the luckiest people in the whole world. I mean I think that I don't know how I got so lucky with
1: And I always say no matter if you have two parents and they're not great, if you the fact that you have two parents already set you up for more success. Is
0: is unbelievable. Yes. And so when I I heard Brene I don't know if you know Brene Brown.
1: The name's up from her.
0: She talks about vulnerability a lot. And she said if we can have this assumption that people are just doing the best they can It makes life a little bit better.
1: And it's funny you say that because um, I can't remember exactly how I worded, but I just sent my mom like two weeks ago, her Mother's Day card. And in that card, I was reflecting because I've never actually had that conversation with her. I was reflecting how I understand you were a baby having babies. And now a man at 41, I see and I recognize how much you struggle and how much you put into doing the best you could to raise us, even though you didn't have the right tools. And I appreciate that and i've never actually told her that until i sent her that card and she can she called me like the next thing and she was like this is the best card you ever ever sent me i'm like well this is the most transparent card i've ever sent you so wow. so that was yeah
0: i mean that's huge yeah that's like no small thing to like yeah. come to terms with about the the person who hopefully i think did their best to try and raise you
1: and we'll get to that because it was not good for a long time it wasn't good yeah
0: why was it not good
1: Um, So like I said, my mom had us when she was really young and my dad was never in the picture. So we're in California and my mom doing the best she can, but she can't keep a job because she doesn't have beyond a fifth grade um, education at this point. So a lot of time was us spent on our own and her trying to find work or her with a new boyfriend or her doing her own thing while we're with my paternal grandmother and it wasn't good. There was homelessness, there was bad women's shelters, there was time sleeping under bridges. It just wasn't like a great environment. But I recognize now at 41, she did the best she could with what she had.
0: And so you wanted to get out of there as fast as you could when you could?
1: Yeah, I wanted to get away from family um, as fast as I could. Yeah, I was like, I want out. And they're like, we can send you across seas, yes please.
0: So that's when you signed up for the military? Yes. What branch of the military? Army and you just wanted you didn't care what you did you just wanted to get away
1: I kind of cared what I did but I didn't really know what my options were if I knew what my options were I would have picked a completely different job but I didn't know what my options were so I went with what the guy told me the recruiter told me was the best job for me
0: what was that
1: At the time it was NBC nuclear biological chemical
0: That sounds very complicated It's it's <laughs> basically
1: like um kind of like a detection system like you would go out with the mop gear which is like the, um, this full gear wear. you go out and you'd be looking for chemical agents mm. so that was the job imagine doing that with 40 pounds of, well the the mop suit itself is about 35 pounds and on top of that another 75 pounds and that's 110 degrees jesus and you're doing that for like six hours so that was my first job like i had two jobs but that was the first job
0: and that made you want to stick around and do more
1: um no that made me get out <laughs> <laughs> that made me get out and go to college <laughs>
0: well um, before we get to college i, I kind of want to know what you were like in high school were you someone who i mean did you play sports did you try and stay in class did you go to class
1: oh in high school um pretty much like i am now i was a ginormous nerd like my escape growing up in oakland california was to hide So you would find me in the room with a book, nose in it, all day long. If if I'm out of school, I'm either at the library or I'm inside my bedroom reading the book. High school was spent. like My goal was I wanted to get as many scholarships as I possibly could to get out of there. And so I got lots of scholarships, but I never had enough money to actually go to the schools I wanted to go to, which were Berkeley, Howard, and Stanford. So I had money, just not enough. So I was like, okay, military, here we go.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That like you have already had that like this internal drive to be something great.
1: I cuz I saw the opposite daily. Like I still have family members that live in the same place doing the same thing either in jail or about to go back to jail because they're perpetuating the same thing. They're not like trying to grow. They're just doing drugs, they're selling drugs, they're not working. They're doing the same thing they've always been doing. Like I don't want to end up like cousin so and so. So I'm going to do the opposite. So, by doing the opposite, I threw myself into education. Mm -hmm. Because, like, education is my way out. Like, I wasn't extremely athletic, but I was pretty smart. So, I can't get a full ride scholarship for basketball. I mean, I'm five foot seven. (laughs) But I can get a full ride for being an educated black guy. So, I was like, let me try that route.
0: This is a concept that I I think about a lot, like this concept of role models, right? Because everyone thinks when you think about a role model, it's someone who you aspire to be. Yeah. But not everyone is fortunate enough to have that. Like I coach a 14-year-old baseball team. So my huge honor and responsibility is to try and be a role model. Like this 14-year-old can look at me at 30 and be like, oh, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can grow big and strong and work out and do jiu-jitsu or get a college scholarship or whatever the case may be is, right? That's a positive role model. But a lot of times... And just like in your case, we have like the opposite role model. Yes. Like, but it's hard. You did an amazing job for a young person to see that and be like, okay, I can do the opposite of that. Like, it's hard to internalize that information and be like, okay, what are the things that I can do that are not like that? So I won't end up like that. And, but a lot of situations are like that. And we have to sort of, I think it's important to frame the role model aspect in both a positive and an opposite role model, like something you That's don't want to be like, so we can give people options. To still be their best selves, but not always have it in like this cookie cutter. You're always gonna have positive role models. You're not. Yes, you're this not is true. Have that. But now it's kind of different mm. because you can look at social media, yeah, and you can always find the positive role model. It might not be the right person, yeah, but it catches your eye or it's something that drives you where you're like, oh, that's something I can do. So it's it's sort of a give and take. But in like if you're just thinking about off the internet in the real world, yes, it's not always gonna be this like this magical teacher who like loves you and guides you and treats you it's, it might be this person that you have all the time by you It's like I just don't want to fucking be like that
1: yeah and I if I'm being honest I d- didn't have like a role model per se like that was in my life but I, I saw like role models like second I guess like secondhand like I went to church occasionally with friends from school because going to church equals food like that was always my thing growing up we didn't have any food so Wherever I need to go to get fed, that's where I would go. So I knew if I went to church with friends, I would get fed. Mm-hmm. So I would see like the, the youth pastor, like like I would never really talk to him, but I saw the way he interacted with people and I was like, oh, that, that guy is cool. Maybe I should have to be like him. And looking back now at 41, like there are things that I do that I can pinpoint that that was the genesis, like seeing this guy interact with kids. That's why I interact with people that such a way or that such a way because I saw it even though it wasn't firsthand, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. I mean, it makes sense now that you want to, I mean, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, that you want to open your own business and help people and teach and coach. Like, that's what a a religious leader does.
1: And even, even more so than that, like when I went to school, I had no desire to go to school for occupational therapy. I just happened to be working out with a guy who ran the program. And he saw that I had a heart for people even though... I definitely wouldn't have said I had a heart for people, not until I was actually doing the job. But as soon as I started doing occupational therapy, I do well working with people. I mean, not large groups of people, but one-on-one I'm phenomenal. So it looking back, I'm like, yeah, I guess I am a people person, even though if you would ask me, but like, I'm not a people person. It's very situational, I guess. And it's weird when I think about it out loud. It's interesting. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's situational. You
0: know, it's like it. uh, introvert extrovert yes
1: it's yes like like if I go let's, let's say I go to the mall and there's like 75 people that's the most uncomfortable position I can ever be put in but if I'm teaching a class in the mall nobody's looking at me they're doing their own thing but if I'm teaching a class and there's 110 people looking directly at me I'm perfectly fine you with love that it. I'm perfectly fine that's my natural element I'm perfectly fine so it's weird
0: yeah that is very interesting because no one in the mall gives a shit about you yeah nobody cares <laughs> yeah
1: nobody cares what you want
0: like But everyone who's, when you're teaching a class, everyone's paying attention to you and it's locked on you.
1: And I'm 100% engaged and I love every second of it, but I'm like, it just seems so counterintuitive to my personality.
0: Hmm. What about like in a party setting?
1: No, I'm going to be the wallflower for sure. Not for you? Not for me. No.
0: I, I used to be like in college. I mean, well, it was probably because of the alcohol. But now I like like three or four people hanging out close friends, easy conversation, good food, right? Yeah. That's that's like, I think that's the best setting.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I do, too. I only want to hang out with people who I care about and they actually care about me. I'm not really interested in just a room full of people just because we know each other.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, building those relationships is like, I mean, it's the most important thing.
1: Facts. Uh,
0: But now, okay, so... High school, you were crushing it because you, you wanted to have a better future for yourself. Went into the military. First time you did six years, you said?
1: The first time I did five and a half, almost six, yes. And
0: then you decided you wanted to go to college. Then I want to go to college, yes.
1: And I actually was already taking classes in the military. I was already, I was already taking classes. They have um, a program that when you're deployed, as long as you keep a B average, they provide you with a laptop on deployment, and you can take as many tuition hours as you want. So... I was taking as many as I can get.
0: So you were just getting after it all Yeah,
1: time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, even to this day, it's a little bit of struggle. If we can get to that eventually, um, concentration-wise. But if I had the perfect job, it would just be a student for the rest of my life. Like, if, if I had the capacity to concentrate 24 hours a day, I would just study and take classes. That would be it. That, that would be the optimal life.
0: Just in all areas, or is there specific domains that you um,
1: History is my favorite because it was my first love. But anything, I'm open to anything. So yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, then you went to college. How long were you? Did you stay in college
1: from so um, two thousand and seven until two thousand and ten.
0: Was this in California? This was in Georgia. Georgia,
1: yeah. Armstrong Atlantic State University. I think it's just now Armstrong State University now. What did you study? History was my first okay. love. Yeah.
0: And then you decided you wanted to go back into the military. Yes. Why is that? That seems like an odd decision. That's just iPhone 12. Oh, sorry. we We already have technology taking over our lives yes
1: like why aren't you listening to what i'm saying (laughs) um i honestly missed it a lot
0: because of the community yes
1: yes i don't do well with having to be superficial and especially initially getting out it seemed like the world was really superficial so i missed like actually having friends and not just people i knew Mm. so and also um I t- ended up talking to a couple of my old um, squad leaders, and they're like, If you change your job to EOD, you'll get promoted as soon as you come back. And I'm like, Sweet. I get promoted and I don't have a boss. A win win. So I signed back up.
0: And then you, did you go back overseas?
1: I did. I, well, I, I went overseas the first time too, but the second time was all overseas.
0: Yeah. How many deployments? Or you were just out there the whole time, or you did different, different deployments?
1: Different deployments. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go back and forth. Like there's, um, and I'm sure it's changed now, but there's a certain amount of time. They have to keep a window open and you can't be deployed for a certain amount of months. Mm. So like my longest deployment was 16 months and my shortest deployment was eight months.
0: 16 months? Yes. Where were you there?
1: That one was Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's super intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've had five deployments. Two of them have been to Afghanistan and two have been to Iraq.
0: Man. It's hard for me to like even wrap my brain around that situation. Like, I was talking to Professor Anthony about his deployments, too.
1: Yeah, he's a good source. Of, yeah. Yeah, like, and um, just a qu- quick aside of Anthony. The first time I saw him in the gym, I had never met him. He had never met me. We didn't even talk to each other. But 30 seconds of just, like, eye contact, we just knew.
0: That you both were.
1: We knew. We knew. Yeah, we both seen some stuff. We both knew. We knew. And I w- it's really interesting how you don't even have to talk to a veteran. You can just know just by eye contact. Like, I see it, bro. I see it
0: there's a, I mean, there's always going to be a special bond between for sure. For sure. As decide to do the hardest thing and one of the bravest things, um, imaginable. So, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because people say that about Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that is, yeah, it's, this is true. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's easy It's funny Like
0: some Obviously there's some parts About Jewish people That are distinguishable Like me, myself I'll just talk personally Like I have a big nose And my last name is Mashpitz I mean
1: I think that's pretty good If right? I had never seen your nose And I saw your last name That would have done it for me Yes, I would have you know, known I would have so, known Yes
0: But it's funny Like some of my friends Are just like Yeah, you just know All the Jewish people, right? Yep, all of them, <laughs> all of them. No matter what It's like Anyways <laughs> Um, so what um, any like what are, what are your takeaways from being deployed like what, what would you want to tell a regular civilian about what happens over there
1: um, well, what would I want to tell them?
0: What do you think people miss or what do you think a regular civilian just like goes over their head besides almost everything about it
1: but. yeah it would be kind of it's kind of even hard to equate it to a person who's never experienced it because, in a lot of ways, even to this day, I miss it because hmm. life is so much simpler. I only have two missions every single day that I wake up, don't die and make sure my soldiers don't die. That's it. I don't have bills, responsibilities, wives, girlfriends, all this type of stuff. None of that matters. All that matters is that we all come back off mission alive. So I miss that aspect of it. So what would I tell a regular person? It'll be really difficult to because I don't know if they would understand it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you saying that's simpler than
1: for 100% simpler, 150,000% simpler. Yes. Yes. I only have two objectives every day. Get back to the fob safely. Make sure everybody went on patrol with me. They come back safely. That's it. That's my only goal in life. Is to make sure we all come back. I don't have all these other things that are taking my attention. I have one primary focus and that's the only focus. And I miss that.
0: That's what drew you to it so much.
1: That's what kept me going. Yes, 100%. That's what kept me going. What I would say to a regular civilian, if they were even remotely thinking about military life, depending on your job, I would highly suggest you don't get married. It's extremely difficult for both spouses. If you get deployed and you're married. Like, I I have no idea how it survived if, if I had a spouse at the time. I don't know. Because now your mind is somewhere it shouldn't be. Your mind should be the, the person in front of you, the person behind you, the mission. That's where your mind needs to be, otherwise somebody's gonna die. But it happens so many times that like something happens at home, or the person is just missing their spouse, and now they're no good for the mission. So now I'm one person fewer, and that's 60% chance more that one person might die on the mission. So if you know that there's something that you want to do, I would definitely recommend you either make sure your job is applicable for that or you just don't do it because it's hard. It's extremely difficult.
0: Yeah. The only thing in my life that I can relate that to, and it's not even close to the same, but is when I became a professional wrestler.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the travel. It's the time away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's similar. Yeah. I,
0: I was like six months into my wrestling career and I had a girlfriend and I was about to go to Germany for three months and she's like you can either go to germany or we break up and i was like well see ya like i want to be a professional wrestler this has been my dream since i was 13 years old and i'm about to go i'm about to go overseas to wrestle someone's gonna pay me to do that yeah like yeah i'm, I'm doing it like and and so like if i had if she had just like been like we'll stay together like long distance like i would have been distracted like, it's not nearly the same as going to war, obviously, but the only thing I can relate it to is that. Is like,
1: but the correlation is real.
0: Is When you're trying to do something that is incredibly hard, and you're trying to be really, really good at it, um, you have to be obsessed.
1: Yes, you have to have a singular focus. The correlation is real. There has to be a singular focus, or something's going to have to give. Mm-hmm. And in my situation, the give is my life. So if you see I have to focus on the mission or focus on what's ever going on at home, I have to just like turn it off. And that to me was the hardest part after coming back the second time was turning it back on. Because like, I struggle even to this day, even though I've done a lot of work is indifference because I had to learn to just completely turn off my emotions, completely turn it off because you can't have emotions when you're in combat and emotions equal you getting shot in the face. So it's been difficult learning to how to adjust that back to civilian life.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why, you, I mean, I imagine that's why we see a lot of veterans struggle with their mental health.
1: 100%. Because
0: when you get back into civilian life, you do want to feel your emotions and you want to try to express those in a in a sort of a healthy manner. Um,
1: but you don't have the tools. For the most part, I don't want to speak for all veterans, but most combat veterans, we don't have the tools when we come back. And either it's because they offer classes and again this might have changed it's been a few years since the battle in the military but they might they 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 didn't offer classes that were um what's the best way to say it they were that were smiled upon so like they would have training but if you took the training you'd kind of be shunned mm-hmm. in the unit mm-hmm. so it was like do I want my boys to be looking at me sideways or do I want to get the help that I need like well I kind of have to I have to work with my boys. So I'm just going to go ahead and be like, no, I'm okay. And just suck it up. And then they get out and now they're struggling. And again, it might have changed. And the stigma around it has definitely changed since 2016 when I stopped completely doing military things. But yeah, back when I was in, it was a big thing that you can't, you can't ask for help. Like if you ask for help, that's weakness. You're, You're admitting weakness. And if you're weak, we don't want you on the team.
0: It's such a complicated, like, dynamic for a military person and their mental health. Yes. Because you are at war, specifically when you're out there, and when you're training to do these things, like, that's what you're training for. Now, we might not be at war at this very moment, but that's what they're training for. Yes. And so you have to be in control, full control of your emotional state. You have to block out everything else. And you have to be on this thing in the present moment with this because or else people are going to die. Yes. And then, but then there's an aspect that when you're not doing that job, how are we able to then turn it on where we're able to be a full human?
1: And that's the disconnect.
0: And that's very hard. Yes. And just to say that there's a lot of platitudes that get thrown out. Yeah. Mental health matters and ask for help. And yeah, these things are very true. This is what I talk about on this podcast ad nauseum, but there has to be. The bridge that gets you there. Yes. Right? It's like when people say, just love yourself. Well, I fucking hate myself. Yes. And you telling me to love myself is, is like me trying to sprint across America in one day. This doesn't work. Yes. But there's a path that could be taken over a long period of time that might work. Just like you became a really good soldier, you didn't just become one overnight.
1: One hundred percent did not. Yeah.
0: We have to be able to tell that to our anyone, an athlete who's struggling with their mental health, someone who's done something for a long time and got really good at it. You can do the same thing with your mental health, but you have to be able to start at the bottom of it.
1: This is good. Yeah. This is good. That's
0: what we have to be able to relay to these people who are elite at anything, because they know that getting elite takes a long period of time. Yes. Black belt jujitsu. You didn't come become it yesterday. Definitely not. You know, uh, or it didn't happen overnight is what I mean. Yes. It yesterday, but, you know. So if we could do that with our mental health, like, okay, you have to start here. This is, this is day one. Like, you have to just be able to become aware that you have different emotions. Sometimes you get angry. What do you do about it? Sometimes you get sad. What do you do about it, right? You're just first recognizing that there are different emotions, and you don't have to shut them off immediately. Okay, now we go from there. We accept that we have those things. Okay, what's action? Because people... Like specifically men want things to be able to do. Yes. How do I do so? Okay, I know that I have mental health. I know that I think, feel, and act, and and it, it impacts my relationships. What are my action steps? Okay, how do I create a plan? Because that's what men need. They need a plan, and they need to feel like they're doing something about it. And so it's different for women. They need a totally different mental health plan because their brain works differently than ours. Their biology and their physiology work differently. So for military women, it's different. Yes. But for military men, we need an action plan. Okay, you have to have, you have to eat well, move well, sleep well and think well. What can you do each day that might impact those things? And then how can you create a plan of attack? And where can you be six months from now? That might work. And I think that's how we have to approach it. And that's how I've been trying to... That makes sense. ...reframe this mental health because it needs to be remarketed. Because everything is about marketing. Everything. Like people are not going to buy into something unless it's marketed well. And when people think mental health, they think mental illness, sick, depressed, sad.
1: I can tell you for sure, my time, especially on deployments, that was the stigma. If you even mentioned the words mental and health in the same sentence, oh, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. We don't want you anywhere near the unit anymore. And so nobody said anything because the alternative was now to be shunned. Right. So yeah, 100%.
0: And so... If, if we can remove mental health and mental illness, like if you are depressed, really depressed, like clinically depressed, or you have bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, those are real mental health conditions and they have a separate box over here. But if we're just talking about our mental health, which is basically our mental wellness, we can rebrand it to that. It's just how you think, feel, and act. So okay, so now we have to be able to change the two because they're not interchangeable and they don't mean the same thing. And I think that's happening. So now when people hear mental health, they think of like, Oh, okay, you're just working out for your brain.
1: Yeah, there's there's a much better connotation to it for sure today than even five or, or definitely ten years ago for sure. Yes. So I agree with that for sure. Yeah, the way that. you worded it, it was perfect. That was perfect. Oh,
0: thank you. Well, <laughs> I've been working on. I've been I've been in this sort of talking about this since 2018. So I'm, you know, trying to get more sophisticated with how I talk about it. Yeah. But I think if we if we rebrand it in that way, like an athlete would approach anything or like a a military person would approach getting better at something. That's how, at least speaking from a man's perspective, we need an action-oriented plan, not just like, feel these feelings. Okay, well, like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want to feel these things. Like, I want to feel love and compassion. Yeah. When I'm angry, I want to be able to tell my spouse that I'm feeling angry. But like, what's the next step?
1: Yeah, like, what do I do now? Like, I felt it now, what?
0: Like, okay. But so that's, that's where I think it needs to go. And I think if we get that... Then we're, I mean, we can we can be an unstoppable because then we have a, we have a grasp and an optimal grip over our mind and body and how it connects and how we can go about our life. And then when we do get sad one day or we're thinking about our grandma who passed away or you know or we got in a fight with our wife, we can handle it because those are like regular normal things that happen yeah.
1: to people. Now you have coping mechanisms, mm-hmm,
0: which I'm sure you've uh, developed over your time.
1: Yes, yes, and mine may not be the the same for everybody's, but yeah. Yeah, I have definitely developed some, especially in the last couple of years that have helped me a lot, for sure.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about those. I want to now, so you're in the military. When when did you start having some of these these brain injuries? When did those start to pop uh, up?
1: Oh, almost immediately after going back in because my job is EOD now at this point. So I'm going out there and I'm looking for explosives and I'm doing controlled detonation. So, yeah, so I'm getting concussions, I wouldn't say on a daily basis, but definitely on the weekly basis. Yeah.
0: So you had more than
1: ten. I couldn't even tell you how many. I I, I can tell you that when I the last time that I saw my brain scan, it looked like a Christmas tree. Like if you turn all the lights out, and then you put my brain scan on a little screen. It looks like a Christmas tree growing because there there was a lot. There was a lot of trauma.
0: Wow. When did you realize that you there might be an issue?
1: Probably around the second maybe even the third year back in so i went back in for five so maybe about the third year back in that's when i started feeling the symptoms and the symptoms progressively got worse light sensitivity migraines nausea dizziness disorientation all these things started to progressively get worse
0: do you have like memory loss slower speech
1: Uh, that didn't come until the very last brain injury that's when that just it all hit me like a sack of bricks
0: so you felt all this stuff, and then you were still going back into the field?
1: Yes. Yes. Because again, if I say I have an issue, now I'm blacklisted. So it's better just to keep my mouth shut and just take my Motrin and keep going. Was it smart? Definitely not. But in the culture in which that we currently had, it was that or the alternative, which was to get shunned.
0: And never be back with my boys.
1: And never be back with my boys. I'd be off in some other platoon that were probably a bunch of not so good soldiers.
0: You you would you would basically have rather died than have that happen.
1: I would rather die than to be with people who I didn't trust to be on the mission with. Yes. Wow,
0: that's really intense. Yes. And then it came to a point where it was just enough. Like yeah, you and,
1: couldn't handle it, and it was so mundane. What did it for me in 2016? I even remember the day because it was two days before my birthday, June 7th, no June sixth, 2016. Your June birthday? Yes. Me too. Yeah, June eighth. Yeah. June fifteenth. It's nice. Oh, yeah. Happy almost birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So I remember the day, um, and it was, it was something mundane. I was taking clothes out of the dryer and uh, out of the washing machine to put them in the dryer. There was a ledge above the washer machine. I just raised up too quickly, hit my head pretty hard, and out. So I had all this brain trauma from the military, from deployments, and being home doing laundry is what completely took me out.
0: Just one last little hit. It was
1: just that was it. The doctor says all the time that was just that was just a straw. Brain was like, we're done.
0: And you just fell down. You passed out. I
1: I was out for at least two hours. And after that, like I said, it's even to this day, some of it is pretty hazy. Wow. Like I do know because my ex-wife, my wife at the time, she told me that I didn't remember her name. I didn't remember my name. I didn't remember anything. I didn't know where I was. My eyes were like I was there, but I wasn't there. It was pretty wild. It was like an out-of-body experience when I think about it now. Because it's like you're trapped in your own body.
0: That's really scary. It is
1: extremely scary.
0: Yeah, because you sent me an interview you did about five years ago.
1: Yes. That was, that was during the, probably, if not at the beginning, close to the beginning of the treatments, um, getting the brain injury treated.
0: Yeah. That, that interview is going to be linked in the show notes. Check that out. And you'll have some context about where Augusta was at that point And basically, as you, obviously, yeah. as you see him now. Very sophisticated with this word. Thank you. Thank you. So that was 2016. Yes. So what happened after you hit your head in the doing laundry?
1: Um, There was a whole lot of tests to try to figure out exactly what the problem was. Even to this day, they don't know the exact problem, but they do know it was an accumulation, because they just went through my medical history. You can just see it was an accumulation head trauma, head trauma, concussion migraine, 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 and I had two diagnosed traumatic brain injuries in that time as well. So it was just an accumulation of too much head trauma. Wow.
0: What were you feeling when you were just at home? Because you obviously went home, you were doing laundry, you you were out of the military at this point. Yes. What what were what was your life like? Were you were you feeling okay? Were you doing something? Were- I was
1: working. I I was on terminal leave. I was working. I was I had a, a, a therapy job. I was just living a regular life just working. I'm like, I was not a great person, I would say for sure, because this is before I started getting help that I needed. But yeah, I had just a regular job, you know, just working part-time, doing whatever I wanted, because I was basically retired. I'm just working. And I thought this was just the beginning of a new journey, but it it was, well, it was the beginning of a new journey, just not the one I thought it was going to be.
0: Why do you say you weren't a great person at that time?
1: We can get to that, but I, I wasn't a very nice person. I didn't, I had PTSD and I didn't know that I had PTSD at the time and it was pretty bad. Mm. And unfortunately, my ex-wife was the brunt of the pretty bad PTSD.
0: So you were in a, you were in a marriage at that yes, point? Yes, yes, yeah. And you were just, you were angry, you are upset with the world? I was mad
1: at the world, yes, and I didn't know why I was mad. And why things would just like make me blow up and why I had no patience, even though um, I literally had no reason to complain. I had a pretty cushy life. I don't know why I was so angry all the time. No clue. When I think about it now, it's because I needed help, but I didn't know that I needed help at the
0: time. Needed help with what? Handling
1: handling the PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know how to transition my brain from being fight or flight twenty four seven to now I'm being just Joe Public. I had no tools whatsoever. Yeah,
0: it's so hard. Again, the only thing I can relate it to is um, being an athlete and stopping your sport.
1: Yes. Cold turkey. Just like, yes. you're done.
0: This is it. Go go be a, a regular person. Like, I don't have a schedule. I don't have a coach. I don't have a team. I don't have a drive. I don't have a mission. I don't have a plan. Wh- what am I supposed to do? What do I do when I wake up? Do I have to wake up at 5? Do I can wake up at 7? Do I eat breakfast? Do I have a meal plan? Yeah. Do I call my coach? Do I have to go and do team meetings? Do I have a schedule? Why is no one telling me what to do? Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and the reason why I got out before I even had this last brain injury, the reason why I got out was because they told me I needed to change my job because they didn't want me to get any more head trauma. And I was like, I would rather just get out. They're like, your options are, we'll medically retire you or you can change your MOS. And I don't do well behind a desk. So I got out and I started doing therapy. And then I had the, the final straw. The laundry incident. Yes.
0: Yes. What? The laundry. Yes. I mean, the transition to anything is life transitions are always always going to be hard. But it's, I don't want to say it's more hard, or whatever. But personal experience is like, when you, when you stop doing something you've given everything you have in your whole life to do, like, you lose a sense of, you obviously lose your sense of identity. Like who you are as a person, like what, you, what your sense of purpose is, like what your sense of belonging is. Do I even matter anymore because I'm not doing this thing? Do people care about me? Do I care about me? Do I even have an important part, a role to play? Should I even play that role? Do I even belong to be here? Like you think about all of these things over and over and over and over and over again and you just feel like you're going through the motions when maybe two weeks ago or two months ago you were like literally doing like life-saving or what you thought was the most important work Yeah. In the world. Yes. Well, in your case, it was. In my case, I was just being an athlete.
1: <laughs> but Still, it's still the same. What you feel is your purpose is what you're passionate about and I felt the military is my purpose because it was my only connection with my grandfather. I never met him. My, my mom's dad. He died when she was young, so I never met him, but he was in the military for 23 years. So my personal goal was to do 24. Like, I never met Pops, but I'm going to surpass him. Like We kind of have that connection. Mm. He, he was a first sergeant. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a first sergeant. That was the goal. So I'm like, that was my drive. Was I, gotta, I never met my grandfather, but I want to be as good as him, so I feel like he would be proud of me. And that was the goal. And then it felt like he got taken away from me. And so I'm sure that was part of why I was so angry all the time that I felt like something that I was so strongly passionate about was just taken from me.
0: Absolutely. So what was, what was the journey like back to, back to health?
1: Oh, rough. Like I said, at the beginning, I didn't know my name. I didn't even know how to tie my own shoe. I had to have help going to the bathroom. It was, it was, it was hard.
0: You were in a facility?
1: I was, I was at home most of the time, but I had outpatient therapy. Most of my therapy was spent in speech therapy, okay. but I did do occupational and physical as well. But most of my personal therapy was speech but because it was difficult. I, my memory was maybe two minutes. So like you can tell me something and I, and I probably shouldn't have sent it to you. I know I have it still on my, um, my hard drive, a video where the therapist will ask me something and then I will would, would answer the question, so no, I would ask her something and she would answer the question. And then 30 seconds later, I ask her the same question. And this happened for like three minutes straight because I couldn't remember that I had already asked the question. So my, my memory was so bad that I couldn't go past 30 seconds. Then I made it to a minute. Then I made it to five minutes. When I made it to an hour, that was like, thank God. Now I can remember something for a, a, at least a regular duration of time. Even to this day, my short term memory is pretty crap. But I think all in all, it's gotten significantly better
0: just through brain building exercises. A lot.
1: Yes. Writing has helped a lot. Um journaling has helped a lot. Reading and a whole lot of thanks to the very very many speech therapists I've seen maybe 5 or 6. I wish I could remember their names, but short term memory issues. But I've had I've had a lot of help with that, for sure.
0: Did you have surgery?
1: I didn't have surgery, no. I had surgery, but not for the brain. I had surgery because of the neck. Your neck. Yeah which went with the brain too much trauma.
0: See, so, oh, then your neck started having issues. Yes,
1: my disc was like jello. So, yeah. So, the brain stemmed to the the neck issue.
0: Do you still do uh brain building exercises now to keep Every it
1: single day, 5 minutes a day. It's the fr- probably the first or the second thing I do when I wake
0: up. Yeah just reading, writing.
1: Um, Or I'll do like a crossword puzzle or do trivia, something where I have to like be engaged and I'll set a timer and I'm not going to do anything else until I finish this five minutes. That's usually, that's the goal every single morning because I feel the difference when I don't do it. It's like walking through mud and I'm sure anybody who's had a brain injury will tell you like about halfway through the day, if you haven't rested, you start to feel very slow. So, like, if you ever see me, like, I don't know, let's say after 7 p.m. and I haven't taken a nap that day, you'll, you'll notice a difference. Like, I have a friend, Kevin. We went to ADCC last year, mm-hmm. and he saw the difference. Like, it was after 7 p.m. I hadn't taken a nap. My speech started to slur, and I started to look, like, glassy-eyed. It's just the change that come because your brain starts to cycle down. So doing the exercises and rests are 100% necessary.
0: A nap is a, is a fantastic way to rejuvenate yourself throughout the day for anyone
1: the, the coolest thing in the, the, for me was that um, I actually had a doctor um, when I was when I started working part time again who wrote me a doctor's note that I had to take a 30 at least a 30 minute nap but like hey boss see that 30 minute nap let's make it happen <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I mean super beneficial but also yes. that's how sort of
0: <laughs> whack our society is that we can't even get a we can't even get a 30 minute nap yeah like yeah. we have to we have to like get it signed by a professional I can't spit came in kind of kind of a break in the day like
1: because it's like I tell you before we started like I'll tell people like you know like yeah I've had a brain injury and I have such and such issue and be like oh sure okay whatever bro but unless you've actually seen like if the people watch the video my previous video unless you actually seen where I used to be and where I am now you won't understand yeah because it's night and day. So a lot of people, like anybody who meets me now, they'll never know unless I tell them I had a significant brain injury or unless they see Rhino. If they see my service dog, then yeah. Like, okay, there's something different. So what is it with the dog? But unless they see the dog, they will automatically assume I'm fine. Right. And that's the benefit and the, the problem with having a brain injury is that it's not physical. So people assume you're okay unless they see the signs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all of the invisible things, right, that we can't see that... You know, people just assume we are all right. Yeah,
1: you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's healthy. Look at him, he's healthy, he's fine. I mean, internally, I'm like, I'm holding on by a thread, but like, look at him, he's healthy, he's okay. Yeah.
0: And so this time that you were were trying to get healthy, you were were married?
1: Yes, initially, yes. that was
0: very hard on your relationship. Extremely
1: difficult, yes. And if I'm being honest, I didn't handle it the best. So yes, it was very, very, very difficult. And I admit, I was not the best person to be married to at that time, so... i don't i can't say her name but god bless her because she put up with more than most people would have
0: yeah well thanks kudos to her yes yes yes
1: she, she got me through the hardest part for sure
0: and then that led all the way up to obviously you guys getting a divorce yes and then that led to the move to florida
1: yes so after we after our divorce was finalized and we sold our house i was supposed to move to florida with my brother but he ended up getting a, um, a raise at the last minute, so he didn't move. But I was like, I'm, I'm going to go. I need a new setting, a reboot. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to Florida. I'll get away from Dallas, get away from Texas. I don't want to have to think about this. I'm going to go there, and I'm just going to start anew. And that was the goal, but God had different plans when I got there.
0: I think it's time now, because I think jiu-jitsu has a lot to do with your Florida trip.
1: And jiu-jitsu has a lot to do with my pro- progress in general. With everything. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, been, it's been the one constant through this entire story.
0: So when did you start jujitsu? jitsu
1: 2013. I actually started um, um, MMA first. Okay. So shout out to um, Jason Sampson. He was my very first MMA coach at Molar's MMA. Nice. So that, I first started with MMA and boxing. And then I had an amateur fight and I got completely obliterated. I'm like, I got to figure out what this guy did to me. So I took a jujitsu class, and that was the end.
0: He choked you out?
1: Yes, yes. And I was like, I got to figure out what the guy did. So I took a jujitsu class, and that was it. I was sold.
0: You you liked it more than striking?
1: I liked it, not getting hit in the face. Yes. Yeah, I think it's probably good for your brain. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> oh,
0: and then you fell in love with jujitsu.
1: Yes, and lo and behold, it's a passion. It's what I want to do with the rest of my life, as far as work is concerned.
0: That's so cool, right? Yeah. So cool. Uh, so you continued to do jiu-jitsu throughout all of your um, there was, brain injuries? Were the, there moments you had to pause it a little bit? There was,
1: like, I had to take off 15 months when I had the next surgery, mm-hmm. and I had to take off the first six months initially after the the, the brain the serious brain injury. So close to two years, there was a break. But before and after that, yeah, I was in it.
0: I imagine jiu-jitsu is so good for... Your brain and body
1: health it it like i said it's been the most it's been the biggest constant in all of my story because i felt the most me on the mat like i might have the light sensitivity i might feel nauseous i might feel like i have zero self-confidence but jujitsu it it levels the playing field as soon as i get on the mat i feel like myself and I had a couple of um, my therapists who actually um, from the video that, that's going to be linked to the show notes actually went to a couple classes with me and they could just tell in my body language. Like before a class, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really there. And then as soon as I start feeling the movements, I close my eyes and bam, it's like a flower just opens up because the brain the brain's like, OK, we know this. We love this. Let's get there.
0: Yeah. Well, I can see that about you when you teach a class because I'm a coach myself. So I like to be pretty nitpicky with coaches, uh, and when you coach, it's like there's there's a there's a combination of things that I think make a really good coach. One is enthusiasm for the material. One, you actually know the material, and two, you're willing to say it in multiple ways because some people don't understand it the first, second, yes. or third way you say it. And you do, uh, and Professor Anthony does that uh, really well.
1: The third one for me is the most important because. I, I'm like if I'm coaching I'm like I'm thinking about okay what if this was me the first one might not make sense to me so how can I say the exact same thing for me six months after my brain injury because one of my passions when I eventually get to my own gym is I want to work with people who have disabilities mm. and so having different avenues of explaining the exact same technique is uber necessary
0: it is, it's so important like because I mean I've had coaches in my day who would just say the same thing over and over and over and over and, and I'm like I don't know what to tell you. I didn't. <laughs> I
1: didn't get it the first time, bro. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't Understand that
0: my hands need to go from here to here to here. Like I don't get it. I don't. You're just saying hit the ball, but I don't understand. Yes. Like, I know I'm supposed to hit the baseball, but I don't get it.
1: Like, like we're here. I know we're here for, it, bro. But <laughs> how do I get there? I don't know. And then, yes. And
0: then you just say that, like, but then we can. You're you're eventually always getting to the end result, which is hit the baseball or you know close the guard or choke the person out. But you have to. There's a pathway. And yes, it's to, a progression. You have to say it in in many ways, and sometimes it can get extremely frustrating. Of course. Like I always see Professor Ricardo get a little frustrated because he's obviously like fucking ex like I'm unbelievable at jujitsu and he gets it like, just like naturally.
1: And I've had that conversation with him. That's, that's the, um, and not even him, like my professor, I mean, my black belt, he had the same issue where when you're so talented and where you know something so well that you don't, You don't even notice the small, minute details that make all the difference Mm -hmm. because it comes so natural for you. But for me, like, I don't know any of this. So I'm having to focus on the very, very, very small detail because for Ricardo, he could do it in his sleep. But for me, it's going to take a billion reps. So he might miss something because it's for him. It's natural. Does it make it better or worse? It just makes it different.
0: He's like to his credit. He's amazing. And he's he he really tries to slow down. And he then he's like, oh, that's my fault. I should have went over this. I missed this. Like, he's like, I, I mean, I've only been doing jiu-jitsu like a year and some change now. But
1: that's the double-edged sword of being talented.
0: Yeah. Because I've had some, like, I do that with like, I've done that with like 12 and 13-year-olds. Because I'm like, I, I know how to hit them all. Like, just, yeah. Like, I'm doing the same thing <laughs> that I told the I was doing to me. And I'm like, i got to slow myself yeah. down. I gotta get back into the moment i got to think about where i was at that age how hard it is to do anything in sports and how hard it is mm-hmm. to like keep showing up when you're not doing well and like okay how can i nurture this how can i make them still fall in love with baseball even though they're getting out consistently yeah how can i make someone fall in love with jujitsu even though every time they roll they're getting the shit kicked out of them yeah. like retention rate is 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 like the number one factor of a coach. Do people keep coming back yes. after every season or every class because they just want to keep learning yes. regardless of the result? And like at Royal Art, like everyone seems to keep coming back.
1: I mean, obviously there are a lot of gyms in this area and there was no doubt in my mind as soon as I knew I was going to move back to here But until I opened my own spots, that's where I'm going. That's family. That's home. That's the best training partners, the best teaching in the area to me. So, yeah, it's great. It's a great environment. You learn, you have fun, and it's safe. I'm like, yeah, that's the spot.
0: Yeah, because jujitsu is very hot right now. Right?
1: Yes, yes, right now. yes. It's, it is a hot chick in the school, yes. yes. Probably thanks to, yes. to Jocko
0: talking about it on his podcast and responding to every question he ever gets <laughs> asked by. Well, how'd you do that? Train jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How do you have a successful marriage with your wife? Train jiu-jitsu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm happy when I come home. He <laughs> <You> only, <laughs> you only has two
0: responses. It's either good or train jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing because both of the answers are probably right yes. all Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So now we're in Florida.
1: Yes. Now we're in Florida. So when I first moved to Florida, obviously, since my brother didn't come with me, I knew nobody. Zero. I had never lived in Florida. I didn't even, I've never even heard of Naples before moved to Naples. You just
0: picked it because?
1: I had a friend who lived down there. So I, or I should say a friend, an acquaintance who lived down there. Mm-hmm. So I knew at least a couple people, but I had never actually lived there or even been there before. Yeah. But being in Florida was, like I said, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because I had to come face to face with my own demons. And I couldn't run away from them because it's me and my dog sitting inside of a small, cubicle basically this little bitty apartment all the time when I wasn't training and I'm like either I deal with my stuff or I'm just going to be depressed all the time because I was depressed seriously depressed the first four months there until I actually started diving into my issues
0: what was the what was the switch because it's hard to go from depression to being like okay I want to make a change
1: the switch for me and again like I'm speaking for me the switch for me was wanting to actively have a relationship with god again that was the switch for me and the biggest thing and i'm sure other people can attest to this was i started journaling Mm -hmm. and when i started journaling i've done it before But I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this this time, I'm going to do this differently. So when I journaled before, it basically would be like, okay, this is what I did today, blah, 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 blah. I was like, if I'm going to do this, this is going to have to be serious. So I'm like, I'm going to write about how I really feel, why I'm mad, whatever. And by diving into why I was mad, that led me to try to question, okay, well, why is it that you get mad when someone does this? Or why is it that you feel this way when someone do this? And it helped me to try to um, pinpoint my triggers. And pinpointing triggers led me to the behaviors that led to those triggers. And then from there, I started taking some counseling as well. And it kind of helped me to see that I had this view of myself of being a good person. But when I took away all the BS, when I took away all of the platitudes and I just looked at my decisions, like, Like my grandfather used to say, my mom used to say, my grandfather said all the time, you can tell a man by his decisions. And my decisions, when I looked at them on paper, because I made a list of all my pros and cons, when I looked at my decisions on paper, I wasn't a good man. And like, why is it that I'm not a good man? And by diving into that, it helped me lead to a whole, a lot of things I needed to get out. Like getting out things like with my dad and things with my mom and things with my brother, and it just led to me wanting to become a better person. And I'm very, very, very grateful that I took the time to do that. Because diving through your own bag is just not easy. It takes humility. And sometimes it's very, very ugly. And the first six months was ugly.
0: It's, it is ugly. But that's what you did is the definition of a hero's journey.
1: I don't know about if I don't, wouldn't use the word hero, but I definitely needed to figure out why I was the way I was.
0: It is. It's the hero's journey. It's the classic mythology. Because hero goes on a journey, and what happened on the hero's journey? He faces the dragon. What's the dragon do? The dragon tries to burn that motherfucker down. And the hero, if he's a real hero, he gets back up. Sometimes he gets back up, then gets back down, and then the dragon gets bigger. Then he picks up a fucking sword, and he cuts the fucking dragon head off, and then he makes it to wherever he's supposed to make it. And then he keeps going through this journey over and over and over again. It's not like you reach the top of the mountain, and then everything is sunshine and rainbows for the rest of your life. You go on the hero's journey for forever. Yes. So well, you have to make that initial step to face the biggest dragon head on and be like, okay, you've been burning me down for a long time now, but I'm gonna face you and I'm gonna grab this sword and I'm gonna cut your head off, and that's what you did. And then there's a freedom. I yes. Think, at least, yes. That comes to like a, like it just you feel lighter. Yes. And you like can move about your life a little bit. And even when there's like that little annoyance or the thing that actually does make you mad, you're like. It's actually not that big of a
1: deal. Yes. And the biggest takeaway that was like my aha moment is that I realized that about month seven, I didn't actually love myself. Mm. And by realizing that I don't love myself, it helped me realize why I didn't love my ex wife mm. because I didn't even like me. So how can I, I don't, I don't know how to love her because I don't know how to love myself because I was never shown it. My mom was never there. I didn't have a dad. I was never shown what love looked like. Mm. So I had to, look at the, um, I'm try, I'm not sure the best way to describe it, but I had to look at like, what is the um, the boundaries? What is the parameters of what love is supposed to be? Yeah. And by doing that, I started looking into the Bible and seeing, okay, this is what biblical love is. And so there has to be something to this because it's been working for thousands of thousands of years. And so I started internalizing that. And then that helped me to get to this place so that I can love myself. And by loving myself, it freed me up now. I can be loving to other people because I'm happy and I'm content within me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have this like, well, they, don't, they won't like me because of X, Y, Z or this person won't like me. Like, no, I love me. So whether they choose to love me or not, I'm happy with me and I can project love to them no matter where they are. And it's been very, very, very freeing for me.
0: It's so beautiful.
1: It's, it's Like I said, bro, it's been the best thing that happened to me. Just understanding why it was that I was the way I was and how can I fix that and then taking the small steps to fix it.
0: And this all happened in Florida?
1: Two and a half years in Florida,
0: yeah. While you're training jiu-jitsu, obviously.
1: All the time. I w- Yes. I t- at this point, I was teaching classes, and I was training probably five times a day.
0: Five times a day? Yeah, so... five times a week
1: was n- no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So so I'd go to the 7 a.m. class. I would go to the 10.30 10 10 30 class, which is the class I would teach. I'd have a private lesson around 4 then I'd go to the 5.30 gi class. Sometimes it was a gi class. Sometimes it was kickboxing. And then I would go to the, um, the 7 o'clock no gi class. So there was three or four, sometimes five classes i will take in a day. Oh, baby. Yeah, so that's how I got my black belt because they got tired of seeing me. So you got your black belt out there? Yeah, I got my black belt in Florida, yes, yes. What an honor. Yes. What does that feel like to get a black belt? Um, Like I wasn't ready. <laughs> but it was. it felt great. It felt great, but I I still don't. Some days I'm like oh, I don't know if I'm ready, and then I put it. On, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, yeah, I'm ready, yeah. Or sometimes I'll have a really hard roll, like I roll with Igor, and I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not ready. And then I'll roll with another, black boy. Oh, okay, they beat me, but they didn't beat me too bad, so maybe I'm ready. Okay, so it's 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 daily.
0: Daily, yeah, of course. It's daily. Yeah. Wow. And then you decided to move back to Dallas.
1: Uh, well I had a my, like I mentioned before my friend Kevin he's a black belt mm. he's actually been my biggest mentor in Florida as far as jiu-jitsu like he was the one who encouraged me to start coaching and to start teaching because I would have never known I even liked teaching but he was he was one of the, um, the assistant coaches yeah. and so when he would take days off because he would have to um, drive for work I'll I fill in and take his class and then he came to one of my classes he was like, "You're pretty good. you ever thought about doing this I'm like, no public speaking no And then he' was like, okay then he would just like encourage me to, to teach more of his classes. And then I got to point, you know what? I want my own class. And then the owner he let me have my own classes. And so they kind of snowballed. And but that's where, yeah. So I got to the point that I'm like, you know what? I enjoy teaching, I enjoy doing it for other people, but I actually kind of want to do this for myself. Yeah. So and so, like, if I'm going to do this, and I got and I started thinking about this, if I'm going to do this for myself, I want to be somewhere where I, A, I have a network of people that I know specifically black belts B, a place where I'm comfortable and C, a place where people know me mm. kind of hard to do that in Florida when I didn't even know anybody, but in, in Dallas area I know a whole lot of people. It's like, this is a good area for that. So yeah, the goal is Carrollton want to open my own spot in Carrollton. Beautiful. And like I said, like I was telling you before, I have a lot of the ducks in a row. You do. There's just a few things that I have to work out and yeah, we're going to make this dream happen.
0: So, next next venture for you is, is becoming a businessman. Yes.
1: Yes. And that's why I'm harassing every single business person I know because I'm like, teach me what you know, please. Yes.
0: Yeah. The, the business part of everything, it, for, at least for me in my businesses, is, is the, like, I don't. F- <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? Are, yes. Know, like, I'm, I'm good <laughs> at having conversations, mm-hmm. I can do it. Like I can do the wrestling part when I had that business, but like, what is everything else? What are the, well, how much, what's my merchandise? What websites do I need to put this out? What yes. Do to to? What are the taxes? Like, do I need to make an LLC? Like, Oh my God. So eventually I got it figured out and I have to have a pretty good idea now. But like when you start, it's like, but you have the perfect idea, right? It's like, just, you have to start. Yes. You have to put the things in motion. If you, if you think that, you have to have everything perfectly right. Perfectly I'll never correctly.
1: move. I'll never move. You're
0: never, yeah, like, never gonna happen. I know.
1: I know me. If I had to have everything perfect, it would never happen.
0: But you, I, you, I can just see it in your, in your body, in yes, your eyes, I'm, in I'm,
1: your heart. I'm so ready, man. You're I'm so ready. Gonna, you're gonna fucking do it. I'm so ready. And for anybody who's listening, if you happen to be in the Dallas area, there is a nonprofit called Score. They actually it's kind of like a big brothers, big sisters for mentors. Yeah. And so they will they will match you up with a mentor. So if there's a specific area in which you're trying to open a business, they will find somebody that either knows that area or they're familiar with that area. So definitely score is a great resource if That's you awesome. If you're in the area, in the Dallas area, actually scores nationwide, but the Dallas score is the one I know specifically personally. That's how you found your mentor? Yes. Yes. Or you are a mentor in sports. No, no, no. That's how I found mine for sure. Your business mentor. Yes. Yes.
0: So what do you, so far, what do you have lined up for your business? I know you have a name.
1: I have a name. I have my logo. I have my, I'm distributor for the gear. Um, my mentor is helping me as far as having my business plan ready. Um, I have to figure out the funding, exactly how I want to go about the funding. And the fun part is finding the building. Like I said, Carrollton is my epicenter. I'm not married to the idea of Carrollton, but Carrollton is where I'd prefer to be. Mm -hmm. But I'm open to wherever God sends me. So almost everything is ready to go. And then after that, I'm going to jump off the cliff.
0: What scares you the most about opening up a business?
1: Um, I don't know if it scares me. It's just like not knowing enough.
0: About? The business
1: yes the business yes so i don't know if it scares me I, I guess i'm too stupid to know what i don't know but just not knowing enough is what keeps me apprehensive mm. because i know as far as the teaching i'm fine with that like i'm not the best teacher obviously i've only been doing it two years but i think i'm pretty good at it the technique i'm obsessed with that so that's not a problem what what keeps me apprehensive is definitely learning about the business like how does how does you move the product like what what software do you use all those type of questions like most of them i have at least an idea but as far as the specifics that's what keeps me from jumping off the cliff is the specifics
0: that's just gonna be a trial by error yes it's just
1: gonna be you know what you just mess up until you get it right yeah just like in jujitsu you just mess up till you get it right
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I mean, there's no, there's no effort without error. 100%. And, that, and that's beautiful. Because you have a sp- specific, you know, group of people that you really want to help. Yes. With, with your jujitsu being the vehicle, but everything else sort of being... Yes. Encapsulated. And and I
1: see, and I see for me personally, I see jujitsu as like a ministry. So like, I'm not a very preachy person, but I, f- I feel like people can pick up on my my beliefs and they can pick up on what I stand for just by the way that I come across them, the way way I talk to them, the way I interact with them. So for me, it's not only it's my passion, but I feel like it's also my calling. Mm. So Your
0: your faith is still a big part of your life now?
1: 100% yes. My faith is the only thing that's making me want to open this gym because I know that I can reach people for for God by doing this venture. And if it ever becomes about me, then that's when I need to stop because it's not about me. If it like, for me, if, if the gym is ever about the head coach, the, the gym is probably going to struggle yeah. because it becomes pride and it has to be that person's way or no way. And nobody ever wants to be in that type of environment because it usually becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to make this about God, but at the same time, there's certain segments of the peop- a population. I feel like they kind of be just migrate to me. Like, People with disabilities, those are my people. Veterans, those are my people. Like, they're just sections of the, the population that are just naturally people that I have things in common with.
0: Yeah. And jiu-jitsu is such a tool, man. It's such a tool to make your life better.
1: 100%. Yeah, like, and that's going to be part of my website for sure, like part of my story. Like, there's no way that I will be where I am today if it wasn't for jiu-jitsu. It, it was a huge tool that I use in my recovery for sure
0: just like everyone says it nowadays but it's it's so important like deciding to do voluntarily something that's really hard
1: and something you know you're gonna suck at for a very long time
0: and still showing up yeah and and like jujitsu is this this simulated struggle yes so that when you get out into the real world and shit hits the fan and someone punches you in the face not actually literally maybe sometimes yeah sometimes like life punches you in the face you're like Okay, I've, I've been in this. I've simulated this struggle before. Augusta tried to choke me out two days ago. That sucked, but I got through it. So yeah. I can get through this thing right here. 100%. Um, and so everyone needs it. doesn't have to be jiu-jitsu. I just, talk, I just happen to talk about it a lot because I've, I've fallen in love with jiu-jitsu um, over the last year and a half. I've had all these other hard things that I've been doing, baseball and pro wrestling career, and I needed something else to keep me motivated. I'm a pretty motivated guy, but I needed something other to keep my competitive spirit going Yes. And is that because I'm awful at it. But some days I do. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. Pretty good. Day. <laughs> and then other days it's like, holy shit. You know, but then there's always people who are better than you, which is awesome. There's always people who are going to humble you, which is awesome. There's always something you can learn. Like over 20, 30 years of my life, like I could think Facts. of doing this. Facts. And there's tournaments I could enter. That's not something that really excites me right now because I get enough competitive rolling at the gym, which is great. So... It's just like you gotta find something, whether it's a Spartan race, a tough mudder, yes, you know, a marathon, a, whatever it is. Like you, like commit to being bad at something, yes, and say like, I love it. I don't care that I'm bad at it. It's awesome, and I love it. And I'm gonna keep doing it. And there's no expectations about myself. I'm not trying to be a professional at it. I'm just trying to do it.
1: Yes. And, and there, gonna... there, there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in doing it just for the love of it. Like there's never obviously nothing ever wrong with competing in any sport, but there's a beauty about just doing it. Like like a perfect example is George Saint Pierre. Like he's been retired for years, but he still trains because he just loves the training. Mm-hmm. There's a beauty in just in appreciating the struggle of the training.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It just makes it makes life better. Man. It does. It does because life is hard. It's stressful. It can be. It can beat you down. There's suffering. There's pain. There's loss. But there's also really really quite amazing things yes life is beautiful and relationships with your loved ones are like the most unbelievable thing and seeing yourself succeed at something and like congratulating yourself for that and and sticking to something so long that you like get better at it and like holy shit, all that stuff is amazing and so there's both sides of it and um, we got to be able to accept both sides of it, but like lean yeah. into the stuff that's, that's quite good and amazing and makes life great.
1: Yeah. It's easy to do things that are easy. I mean, we can all do that, mm-hmm. but it's when it's something that's difficult, like what, what is your reaction? How do you respond from the difficult that tells you who you are? That tells you where you are. Yeah. If you can respond to something difficult in the positive way. Absolutely. So when I get smashed by Anthony or I get smashed by Igor or whatever it might happen to be in your life and you bounce back with a positive attitude, that's it. That's the point. That's the gem. Yes.
0: And that's, and that's you building up your self-worth. Right? Yes, yes. That's you building up love for yourself. Like how do, you, how do you begin to love yourself? Well, you do things that make you want to love yourself. You do things that make you want to have, that are esteemable acts, right? You Actions do, plan.
1: Yes. Yep. that's the action plan.
0: You build up this, I say this in every episode, but I'll say it again. You build up this undeniable stack of proof that you are the person you say you are because you've outworked yourself down. I like was, that. That was from Alex Hermosi He said it, and I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> so I give him credit. Shout out to Alex. You, know, you, have this, you, you just like, even when you have a bad day, you're like, oh, I just, I've done this for 365 days before this. Like, this was one bad day. Who cares? I'm yeah. still the person that I say that I am. Yeah. I still have high value, high self-worth. I still love myself because... I've done the work because there's an action plan that came before it. Yes. I'm not just saying these like empty platitudes in the mirror and hoping that it works out. Yes.
1: Like when you've done the work, you, there's a security in that. You just know because you've put, you've put the grind in. You just have security in that.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, anything else? Anything else you, you feel like we missed? You want to share? You want to touch on?
1: Oh, this is more talking about myself than I ever have. So I don't know. <laughs> if you have a question, I'm always transparent. I've
0: got one last question. Sure. If you, Augusta, were going to put up a billboard and a million, millions of people every day were going to see that billboard, what would you put on it?
1: Love yourself. Always will say love yourself.
0: Beautiful. Anything on the other side?
1: On the other side, love others.
0: Love yourself, love others. Yes. That's a perfect way to end. Thank you, man. Of course. Appreciate your brother. I appreciate the conversation. Of course. But thank you, guys. See you next time. And if you want to learn more about Augusta, all the stuff is in the show notes, the interview, and his Instagram. But, uh... Um, I'm sure he'll be back on the pod, but thank you and see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Augusta Owens. What was your biggest takeaway from that episode? Which portion of the episode resonated with you most deeply? And if you enjoyed that episode, please Share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And please don't forget to leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. And in other news, if you would like to receive a short email from me every single Friday on one big idea that I've been thinking about that whole week, sign up for my Random Stuff Friday newsletter at AaronMashBits.com. But the absolute best way to support me and this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. All of those links are located in the show notes, so check them out and see which one might work best for you. Thank you. But most importantly, above all else, Above all else, please take good care of yourselves and others, and I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.